Welcome to Startup Confidential, what food and beverage industry players will never tell you that you need to know if you're running a startup. Let's do this. Welcome to Episode 5, Word of Mouth Marketing, Part 1, with Ted Wright. So everybody, I've got Ted Wright of the agency Fizz here with me today, which is a great pleasure and honor because he's a very busy guy. Ted, can you tell my listeners just in one sentence what you do? So we do word of mouth marketing, which James, is, as you know, is basically t- having a brand really work hard to create marketing that is interesting enough that people, consumers will come ask you about it. You know, in the, in the quote, natural space, think of honest tea when they went out and did those, how honest are you? And they left a bunch of free honest teas out and they said, you know, leave a dollar for every honest tea you take. And they did it in New York and Philadelphia and DC and Chicago. And they figured out what is the most honest city. So word of mouth marketing is creating marketing that is worth having people come to you and ask you questions about your product or your service so that you can engage in a conversation with them and share fully your brand story. It sounds like the real art, as I learn more about it, the real art is triggering that initial conversation on the part of whoever you're trying to reach, however the heck you do that. Right. So when you're thinking about word of mouth marketing, there's really four pieces to the art. There is goal, there is target, there is story, and there is activation. And, you know, I have a tattoo on myself, which is a triangle with all three of those words and then activations right in the middle. And so that's my permanent cheat sheet. If I ever forget what I'm doing about word of mouth marketing when I'm old, I can just refer to my tattoo. For us, yeah, it's it's quite handy. For us, all four of those pieces have to meet specific criteria in order for word of mouth marketing to work well. So it's not just a story. So for example, if I have a really great story about a new diaper wipe and I'm sitting there talking to kids that are between 16 and 25, (laughs) story might be great, but my target is all wrong. And that's a ridiculous example, but we see all the time. I mean, I have a real life example. That that would work if you were actually selling contraceptives and swooped in. uh, Right. So, but you know, we're talking about diaper wipes and we're trying, yes, exactly. We're like, okay, you can name, see, this is why you're a marketing genius because you're always seeing the opportunity. So wait a minute. Now you're on a podcast run by a jerk. So this, this has been going too nicely for you so far. Well, so basically we're on, everyone's listening to a podcast Two jerks are on there. (laughs) So I want to play the jerk. How the hell is this any different from field marketing? So that's an excellent question. Word of mouth marketing is field marketing that doesn't suck, right? That's a good one. Is that your tagline, by the way? uh, It it is not, but (laughs) I was just talking. So a friend of mine, and you all will know them, they do a great deal of the pre-made Indian food that is sold in packages in Costco's. And that's my friend's mom. And she is the, you know, the person who started that. And now it's all over the place. And my other friend, I think his title is official taste tester. When we started talking three or four years ago, he's like, well, that's what I do. I'm like, yeah, you all do it really well. The problem, and this is something I want to talk specifically to the people that are listening that are startups. Yeah. The whole gig about building a brand in the United States today is about getting the to the place where one consumer will recommend your product to another consumer. You start that process 
by having people, by you going out as the founders or founder and having conversations with as many people as possible. So what James, you brought up is, so how's that different from field marketing or experiential marketing? Um, it's not. The yeah. problem with both field marketing and experiential marketing is that it is very difficult to measure. It is not impossible. It is just difficult, which basically means it's expensive and takes a lot of time. It is difficult to measure the efficacy when you're having conversations with somebody. You know what's a lot easier to measure? If you start off with 600 cans in the beginning of the day and you wind up with 40 cans. And then people are like, oh, well, sweet, you had 560 conversations. Since we're two jerks talking, you know, that's bullshit. Yeah, I know. <laughs> what you've done is you've passed out 560 cans. So after a while, those metrics that become the easiest thing to measure become the thing that everyone is driving to. If I can interrupt you. Of course, James. I'm sorry. I, I want to glom onto that because I think you nailed it, which is shitty demoing in stores. This has been my experience working, talking to clients primarily. Shitty demoing in stores is really honestly just a form of trade promotion for 90% of the time that it's executed. In fact, if you actually work with those agencies, most of them will recommend a price discount to provide air cover for themselves. Yes, which quite honestly, there if, those, if that's what you have to do to get into X grocery store or X chain, then by all means do it. No, that's what you have to do to get the demo company to sign up with you, which is- Okay, a well, don't do a demo sign. company. <laughs> don't do a demo company. Anyone's listening to this, if you're doing less than $50 million a year in business. Don't sign up with a demo company. Do it yourself. Okay. With respect to our friends at Costco, <laughs> the older ladies, and they're generally older ladies, they're out there sampling stuff and sort of talking to their hands because they're trying to not break food safety protocol. Those people are not doing any good. Zip zero, nothing, nada. Do not do that. To be fair, sometimes the buyer makes you do it. But I think to Ted's point, just assume it will fail and it's a cost of getting in. Don't worry about optimizing the hairnet lady. Well, I would, and so with respect, I would argue with you, James, on that. Okay. If the buyer is saying you have to do this to get in, there's another option you can. You can actually spend more money with Costco and do it right. Okay. And that more money is, so you can pay them enough money where they're basically renting you space as opposed to just space and the people. Spend more money, do fewer demos, but do that where James and Ted can talk about James and Ted new venison sausage now with blueberry sage or whatever. We, as the people who have been, James and I, just as an example, I'm making this up. We love venison so much and blueberries so much that we ended up making venison blueberry sausage in this example. Everybody who's at Costco, they have enough money to afford our stuff. They want to hear from us. Yeah, okay. They're not, no one who's going to a Costco, or very few people, you always get people who like free stuff because it's free. And certainly Homer Simpson and other people have made jokes about, oh, I'm going to Costco for lunch and do sampling around. Most people are not looking for the free stuff because most people in there don't want the free stuff. They're looking for better. That's why they're going to Costco. They're looking for different. They're looking for interesting. So for God's sakes, take the time and have conversations with these people and tell them why. Give them a story that, and when the story matches the experience they have in tasting your product, that seals it within them. 10% of the people you talk to will have this advocate personality. 
each one of those people, on average, their story will get shared within their social network, both online and offline, in excess of 40,000 times in a single year. That's how every brand that you can think of has made made it successful is because one person told another and they told two friends and so on and so on and so on and so on. Your story has to have three components to it. Your story has to be interesting, it has to be relevant, and it has to be authentic. You've been listening to Startup Confidential. If you'd like more in-depth content from James, please sign up for his free monthly white papers by emailing him directly at james at premiumgrowthsolutions.com. 